Welcome to the Gospel Ministry of Exchange Church. Thank you for connecting with us for our Bible talk today, and please feel free to share these talks with others as well. It's our desire to connect people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit our website, www.exchangechurch.org.au. We have been going through the book of Galatians um, over the last few months. We did have a bit of a sidestep there a few weeks. We did a Queen's Garden service and then Easter and then Sean shared with us last week. So we're now going to get back to that, uh, the book of Galatians. There's probably about four or five um, sermons left in the book of Galatians, getting to a very sort of practical end, not so much this week, but into the following weeks. We're still sort of building a place where Paul's teaching us and training us in the truth of the gospel where we are. Just to set the scene today, uh, Patrick Henry, anybody know who Patrick Henry was? There's no history buffs here at all? 1775? I've got a lot of stunned looks out there. I can say what I like then, can't I? Patrick Henry was one of the founding fathers of the United States of America in 1775 with an impassioned speech to rouse the growing colony that time to separate from Great Britain. He said this in his closing statement. Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. And that's how he closed his speech in separating um, the United States away from Britain. Give me liberty or give me death. What is it? It's a cry for freedom. It's a cry from the human heart for the way God has made us to be free people. Well, this is where Paul's going to take us today into gospel freedom as we look at this passage here uh, in the book of Galatians, the freedom that Jesus brings to us. So if you've got your Bibles, please go to Galatians chapter 5 and we're going to read uh, verses 1 through to 12. Feel free to open up your device or the good old-fashioned Hard copy, and we'll we'll have it on the screen for you as well. For freedom, Christ has set us free. You could just stop right there, couldn't you? Isn't that a powerful thing, what Paul's just said there? For freedom, Christ has set you free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look. I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he's obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Holy Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus... Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you'll take no other view, and the one who's troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision... Why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offence of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. 
Lord, thank you for this glorious passage of scripture, this truth. For freedom, Christ has set us free. We ask, Holy Spirit, please would you just uh, awaken your word into our hearts today. Do only what you can do to bring this word alive within us. To know that freedom. Lord, we ask for your help and we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Paul has pretty well been on one theme in Galatians, in Galatians so far. It's been salvation by grace alone through Christ alone in, uh, in Christ alone. That's where he's been basically for five and a bit chapters. Even up to this point, he's still there. He's coming at it from various angles and various times to try and convince the Galatians, don't throw away what you've already gained in Christ. Uh, a quick recap for this, this church that Paul is... Uh, Uh, writing this letter to. This is a church that Paul has planted through the preaching and the teaching of the gospel many years beforehand. Uh, Some people have now come into this church since he's left and it's telling the church, these people here, it's not Jesus alone for salvation. They're actually coming in with a false gospel, which Paul says is no gospel at all. They're actually saying it's Jesus plus something else. It's Jesus plus circumcision. It's Jesus plus obeying the law of Moses. That's how you find salvation. Now, as we look a few weeks back, we understand where that's come from, this Jesus plus things, because culturally that's the air they breathed for centuries and centuries. They lived in uh, circumcision. They lived in synagogue customs and traditions, and they lived in the law of Moses. That was how they were brought up, thinking this is it. This is the pathway. These false teachers, though, with this, they're not wallflowers. They're not pushovers when it comes to this message that they're bringing, this false message. They're very convincing and they're very assertive, but they're very wrong. That's what Paul's telling me. It's wrong. It's false. It's not Jesus plus anything equals salvation. But unfortunately, some in the church are being persuaded and they're being drawn down this pathway that it's Jesus plus something else. So Paul, with passion... And gospel truth, he works here again, as it were, to bring to, uh, the, to bring to birth, as it were, Jesus with these Galatians again. And you can see right through this letter, he's been going at it for about five and a bit chapters. And we get to these chapters here again, four and five, and he's going to have another shot. He's going to talk about it one more time with them and uh, bring about this idea of our justification, our right standing with Christ, with God, is through faith in Christ alone. Here's where we're going to head today. Uh, Deep, true, strong and authentic freedom. Deep, true, strong and authentic freedom is found in Jesus alone. Jesus alone. Let's jump into it. Okay, uh, chapter 5, verse 1. Paul sets the tone here with a picture of freedom and slavery. All of this ties in with where he's been going the whole time when it's come to the book of Galatians. At the end of verse 1, he says this, Do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. He follows on the next couple of verses. He talks about circumcision. And uh, if you're going to do circumcision, then you must also obey all of the law. So he's got this happening there with them, thinking that way. And what he's saying there in this is this, if you are going to think about circumcision, if you're going to think about law the way the false teachers are talking about it here, it's really just code for its man-made religion. If you're going to go down this pathway, Paul's saying this is just code for a man-centred, a man-made religion. 
It's a man-centered religious way of do good things to try and earn something. It's a man-made or a man-centered religion made out of rules and regulations, following traditions, following this, following that, to somehow make your way to God. It's a system of practice here that tells you that if you do a whole heap of things, some you must do and some you mustn't do, so follow this list of rules and regulations, that is how you'll gain your place with God. By what you do, it's about self-effort to keep doing the right thing and then hope, hope you've done enough right things or good things to please God and then that God will actually help those who help themselves. Have you ever heard that before? God helps those who help themselves? That's wrong. God helps those who can't help themselves. We don't help ourselves and now God recognises that. We can't help ourselves and then God comes and helps us. That's the gospel. What does Paul say about this man-made religion? Jesus plus other things? He says it's a yoke of slavery. You were going to yoke yourself with a slavery to this man-made set of principles and regulations and practices and rules. It's a yoke of slavery. To follow this pathway, Paul says, well, we know actually this, this will be the, the end result of following this pathway. It's, it's two things. One is that you'll be racked by guilt and fear because you've never done enough to please God. You'll never do enough. Because every time you fail to do something that you know you should do, it's like you fall down 10 steps on the ladder. I should have gone to that prayer meeting last Sunday at 5 o'clock. Yeah, well, I make up for it now. If you get on this pathway of works and doing good things, it becomes a works-based system of, of climbing up the ladder and then falling back down the ladder. I do 10 steps backwards because I, oh, I didn't go to prayer. I should have went to prayer. And I've helped my neighbour out this week. I've gone a few steps up the ladder. I've, done, oh, I've got a few more steps. and I've done something else. I've got another few more steps. Oh, I forgot to read the Bible for two days in a row. Bang, 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 bang. It's just, you're going up and down a ladder. You, you, you can't do enough to please God in this way. And what does it do? It leaves us in, in a sense of fear and guilt. I haven't done enough this week. Maybe I'm not saved. Maybe I'll do some more things and then I'll get saved again. It's like I'm saved or not saved. It's hopeless. That's one option of actually following this sort of works-based doing things to somehow earn my salvation. The other option that comes out of this when we go that way is that pride fills our heart when it becomes a man-centred or me-based salvation. We easily become like the showcase or the star attraction in our own minds for all the things that we've done. It becomes about me. And everything we do, we sort of see through either rose-coloured glasses or me-coloured glasses about all of my good deeds because I can see how great they are, or in my own mind I inflate them about how great they are. Because every action I undertake, in this sense of me making it to the top, I'm always going up the ladder. I never fall down backwards. I have missed a pre-meeting for six months. That puts me 150 steps up the ladder. It's pride that comes in. That's the other fruit of this we doing it. And quietly this is what happens. A little voice tells me in my mind... When I'm doing all these good things, God owes me. God owes me. 
I deserve more now. It's just, it's just whispers in the back of our mind. These things that I've achieved for him, he now owes me. Neither of these options are God's way. They're not. That's why Paul uses in the, the, the bit we skipped over there in the last part of chapter 4, which we put in the Bible reading for the email, Paul uses this story here about Abraham, Isaac and Ishmael. If you would have read that earlier, you would have seen there, Paul talks about that. And then the, the backdrop of that is this. God promises a son through Sarah to Abraham that will be the heir of his family. God promises that. It's going to come through Sarah. It wasn't happening quick enough for Abraham and Sarah. So what do they do? They hatched their own plan to make it come about by their own efforts. They did something to bring about God's promises. They didn't rely and trust in what God was planning. They just did something for themselves. They devised their own system. So what do they do? Hagar, Sarah's servant, is given to Abraham in marriage and he has a child called Ishmael through her. But that's not God's chosen pathway. That's not the promise. That's just man trying to make their own way to fulfilling God's promises. So Paul highlights to say that is not the way it is. Because you see, when you, when you choose to put a system together of making your own way to God, not following God's pathway, when you choose to put that sort of system together, you ultimately become a slave to that system that you create. And that's what Paul talks about there, the, the slave woman and the promised one. When you, when you go down that pathway of producing your own system to, be, to come to God your own way, you won't live with the freedom of heart and mind that God wants us to live with by following his way, choosing his pathway. You'll be enslaved and you'll be trapped into never ever knowing, have I done enough? Did I tick enough boxes? Have I deserved it yet? And you'll never have that assurance. Every time something goes wrong in our life, I must have done something wrong this week for the Lord because he's now knocked me down three pegs in the ladder. It's always going to think that way if you're working in this works-based scenario. Paul says, when we don't choose God's way, we cut ourselves off from God and we become slaves to something that will never save us. Never save us. Paul moves on. The whole letter here, Paul's been pointing the Galatians back to the finished work of Jesus Christ for our freedom from sin and death. And he does it again here in verses 5 and 6. Have a look at me. He says in verse 5, For through the Spirit, not through my good deeds or my good, uh, good works, for through the Spirit, through the uh, regenerating work or the work the Holy Spirit does to give us a new heart, for through the Spirit... By faith, received by faith, received by believing and trusting what Jesus has done, we ourselves eagerly await for the hope of righteousness. Waiting for uh, the perfection of Christ to unite us with him eternally in heaven. For in Christ Jesus, not in man-made or man-based works, for in Christ Jesus, not in my perceived good deeds, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. It makes no difference, Paul says. It makes no difference in the gospel, whether you're circumcised or uncircumcised, whether you've followed this thing or you haven't followed it. It's not about that. 
but only faith working through love. What counts as far as God is concerned? Faith working through love. Our justification or right standing with God is received through faith. Faith alone. Believing that the death of Jesus at the cross is full payment for my sin, not part payment for my sin. It's about believing God's way of salvation and not man's way. It's about believing what God has done for me. It's putting my trust in that. And when I put my trust in that, and actually when I come to the realisation of what that means for me, having understood truly what Jesus has done, it can't help but produce love. What else could you do for that person who's gone and laid down his life for me? You would have to love them. You would want to love them. It's faith working through love. It's love for Jesus, for the tremendous sacrifice that he's made for us on my behalf, for undeserving me he's made that. Of course I'm going to love him. It would be a natural outworking. And not only him, but also loving others so they too would come and find this same truth, the same freedom that Jesus brings. Jesus sets us free from slavery to sin and to death. Jesus has done that for me. That's the truth. That's what Paul's trying to communicate again to these Galatians here. Now for them it's a distracted freedom. It's a very much a distracted freedom. The gospel freedom we've received isn't a cakewalk for us, as it were, to easily walk into. And we won't necessarily have an easy time embracing it because you can see the Galatians aren't having an easy time here. They're being distracted and they're being drawn away from this gospel freedom by these false teachers. Have a look at verse 7, he says there, You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? You were running well, Galatians. What happened? Who hindered you from obeying this truth that you learned? What, what's happened? The picture Paul gives here is like a runner staying in his lanes. He's running the race. He's been now said, okay, here's the truth. You run in those lanes there. It's like someone's come in and bumped them out of those lanes and actually shot them off left field somewhere. Who's hindered you from doing this? What did you listen to or what did you hear that has drawn you or pushed you out of this pathway of truth? How did you get out of that lane? How did you miss it? Well, it can happen to any of us really easily. We can all be subject to someone actually just bumping us a little bit and knocking us out of our lane. What happens? We can have these little voices or these little influences that just get inside our heads at times and they come from multiple different directions. And these little voices of influence can be very enticing. They can be very convincing with what they've got to say. It may be just a thought like this. Look, this Jesus stuff's pretty serious. Why don't you just take your foot off the pedal a little bit? Just, just relax. Don't be so serious about the gospel. Don't be so serious about your faith. Just as long as you're sincere and you do a few good things and keep yourself out of trouble, you'll be okay. Just just relax. Just take your foot off the pedal a little bit. That's a voice that can begin to distract us. Or some voices may lead you right off the path altogether. Some voices might say, how do you know if this Jesus stuff is real anyway? We can't even see him. All you've got is a book there that sort of talks about, how do you know this Jesus stuff is real? Come and live life with us. Come and join us. 
come and take the steps we're taking. You'll have a good time and yeah, you'll find freedom as well. And if God is real, well, yeah, maybe, maybe. I'm sure he'll let you know at the end of the day. That's another voice that sort of comes in sometimes. Is this really real? Is this really true? You see, the gospel that promised, that offers and promises freedom isn't a message here that is designed to stroke our ego and to make us feel good about our achievements. The gospel makes a really clear assessment of who we are and the reality of our brokenness and says that you or I cannot get to God on our own merits. The gospel's a difficult message. Look what Paul says here as he's talking about this in the sense of distracted freedom. Verse 11. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offence of the cross has been removed. Some were thinking Paul was preaching circumcision back then. He said, if I was preaching that soft, easy message, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offence of the cross has been removed. What he's saying here is this. The cross offends our pride. That we, we, that we could somehow think I could make it on my own merits. The cross actually comes and strips us bare of that when we understand what's happened. It reveals to us, no, we can't do that. It's meant to humble us initially, the message of the gospel. So don't be surprised if people are offended by the message we believe and the message that we share. Now we can make it unnecessarily offensive by the way we present it and maybe elevating things that don't need to be elevated through the message about you know how bad we really are. Sometimes we can drive people on the ground way too much for that. But there's a sense where the message will be offensive because it offends our pride of thinking that I somehow can make it before the Lord. So we should never be surprised here when it does seem offensive. But here's what happens. When it does seem offensive, and it is offensive, it can sometimes serve to make us question, is it right? Maybe I'm believing the wrong thing because I don't really want to go around potentially upsetting people with this truth. And that can serve to distract us away from the freedom that Christ has brought us on because I'm thinking, maybe that message is not right. Maybe there's other elements to it here. Paul says, no, that will be an offensive message because it offends the pride of our own perceived self-righteousness or good deeds. All of those things can serve as distractions away from the freedom that Christ brings for us. Now, I want to digress here for just one second because I'm sure some of you have been reading verse 12 and thinking, what the heck is Paul talking about there? And some of you are looking straight down your Bibles now, even though I say that. Does Paul really mean what he says there? What does Paul mean by saying, you, does Paul really mean you should go and castrate yourselves? Paul, do you give me license now to use really crude talk and crass language? Could Paul, you've written this to the Galatians. Answer, No got no license to use crass language or crude talk here. The word emasculate or castrate has a root meaning of cut off. 
it's best to take this that Paul wishes that these false teachers, as it were, would cut themselves off from influencing the Galatians. Because there's plenty of the passage in the Bible where Paul says, use no coarse jesting or no foolish talk. So Paul's not giving us license to talk in a rough, crude, crass way. Okay, some of you are wondering what was verse 12 about. Okay, it's, I wish you, got, you false teachers would be cut off away from influencing these Galatians. Okay, let's get back onto the main passage. It's part there, but it's, it's communicating Paul's desire to see these false teachers uh, be out of their lives. Think about freedom. Think about this word freedom here. What a powerful word that Paul uses here. I want us to stop and think about the freedom that Jesus truly brings. Sometimes I don't think we stop and we grasp what he's actually given to us and what he's brought to us. As I said before, freedom is the cry of the human heart. Everybody wants to be free. Here's what the United Nations say in their human rights charter, which is not a Christian organisation in case you didn't know that. Here's what they say on article number three. It says this. To achieve international cooperation in solving international problems of an economic, social, cultural or humanitarian character and in promoting and encouraging respect for human rights and for fundamental freedoms for all without distinction as to race, sex, language or religion. I'm not sure they thinking of the Christian religion when they write that in there because Christian religion gets a fairly hard time at the moment. But the point there is, it's the echo of the human heart. We all want to have fundamental freedoms. That's what we want. Every human being is looking for some type of freedom in their life. Everybody is. Whether it's ladies or women who are being abused and used for sex trafficking... They want freedom from that enslavement. They don't want to be enslaved. They want to be freed from that. Or other people want to be freed from the mortgage debt they have. They feel trapped in their financial problems. They feel, I want to be free of this. Or some people want to be free from their relationship problems that they have with others. They feel like they are bound up in this pressure cooker environment. They want to be free of that. Some people, I'm, I'm seeing on the media now, want to be free from the working week that we have. They, don't longer, they don't, no longer want to have it as five days a week. There's talk of a four-day working week now. We want to be free of those restraints of work. I want to be able to go where I like, when I like, how I like. Some people want to be free from the body that they're in. They want a whole new identity. They want to be a new person. It's like, I want to be free from myself and become another person. I'm tired of who I am. Within everybody, there's this nagging little voice that cries out for freedom. It's within every human being. It's something that's holding me back, and I want to be free of that thing that's holding me back. What do we find in this world is that wherever we look for this freedom to finally and fully release us, it doesn't really fit, or it doesn't really last. It doesn't go the distance. I might get a little lift or a bit of a buzz. I may feel free for a burst, just free for a small you know, time period. But then it's like the same old chains which just begin to come back and they slowly wrap me up again. I feel bound up again. Here's something I've been reading recently. We've had a number of people 
who've been going through gender transition surgery with hormone blockers and a whole range of other things, trying to find freedom, and I feel desperately for these people in these challenging places, but they've gone through this whole process of gender transition surgery and hormone blockers, and there's a growing number now who are actually detransitioning back to what they originally were. Why? Because the hormone blockers and the cosmetic surgery didn't bring the freedom they were looking for. They still found on the other side of that, I still feel bound up. The world tries to offer us freedom, but it can't completely do that for us. Where is this elusive freedom? Well, this is the message of the gospel. This is the message of freedom. This is the message that Paul is bringing to the Galatians. It's only, it's only the Christian gospel that makes sense of the world we live in. It's the gospel that tells me who my creator is. It's the gospel that tells me who I am. It's the gospel that tells me what's wrong with me and what's wrong with the world. It's only the gospel that truly explains the mess we find ourselves in. There is no other explanation for it other than what the Christian gospel tells us. You can find any other religious cult or organisation or anything at all, any system of thought or series of ideas that try and explain this world and lead us out of freedom, and they can't. They absolutely can't. There's nothing else that explains us truly other than what the gospel tells us. Here's the freedom that Paul brings uh, as he talks to the Galatians. He talks about there, firstly, freedom from the condemnation and guilt that Jesus has set us free from. Have a look in Romans chapter 8, what he says there. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free, has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Jesus has saved us and he's taken away our condemnation. Jesus has set us free from all of that. We have no guilt, we have no shame, and we have no condemnation before God. Here's where I feel bound up. I can't express that with enough joy or thanksgiving. I feel trapped in that. That should make me just nearly faint with joy and delight. But it nearly just passes off me when I hear that. That is the most astounding news that you can possibly hear. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It just doesn't set in sometimes, does it? It just, I don't know, what's for lunch? Sometimes that's, that's the bondage we still have. That hasn't actually hit me the way it should hit me. Now here's the thing, here's the reverse of that. If we say we need something else other than Jesus to free us, we're saying this. Jesus, you haven't done enough. Your life, death and resurrection, it's not enough, Jesus. What you provided, God, it's not enough. I need to add something else to it to make it complete. Do you know what that is? That's a wicked offence before God. That's telling God, you haven't done enough, God. I've got to add something else to this. 
That is horrible. Secondly, the fruit in the Paul and Thurs here is this, that we don't have to conform to the pressures and the patterns of this world. Because there's pressures and patterns of this world that makes it seem like that's where I've got to be to find freedom, or that's where I've got to be to make it this world. If I can just conform to those pressures and those patterns, that's where life is to be found. No, the gospel speaks true freedom to us when we understand our true identity, not trying to identify with this world and what it's doing. The gospel tells me I'm created by God. The gospel tells me I'm loved by God. The gospel tells me I'm adopted by God. The gospel tells me he's my heavenly father. All of these things I receive in Christ. That's what the gospel tells me. The gospel also tells me I'm going to be eternally united with Jesus forever. When I grasp that identity, when I grasp those truths and live in it every day, it sets me free from the false and unrealistic expectations of the pressures and patterns this world puts on me to tell me this is where life is found. If you actually just do these things, that's when you'll find life. It sets me free from things like this when I don't meet the right body image type which I'm getting told that all the time. I walk down the street and I just say, okay, I've got to be like that person. I've got to be like this advert. There's a pressure. Or if I don't have the right cool career type that I see others having, I'm set free from that pressure when I know who I am in Christ. Or if I don't have that to die for Mr. or Mrs. Perfect in relationship in my life, I'm actually set free from that pressure. Or if I don't have the life of success and pleasure that I see so many others having, Actually, I'm set free. I don't have to be crushed by those feelings seeing myself as a failure. The gospel sets me free from that. I'm not not living for those things. I'm not living to actually conform to that pattern or standard. And when I see others successfully doing life around me, and I'm not, that's okay. I'm set free from that. Because I can find my rest, my security, my identity in Christ, not in those things. It's freeing me. It sets me free from those pressures and patterns. It's a powerful freedom he gives. Now, there's one commandment I can see here that Paul has for us back in verse 1. And I love what he says there. As we think about this freedom that Christ has given us, he says this in verse 1 again. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore. Stand firm, therefore, in that freedom. Stand firm, therefore, is telling us that Jesus wants us to enjoy these gospel blessings of freedom. Stand firm in them. Don't give them up. Jesus wants us to enjoy the freedom of condemnation and guilt of sin. We're free of that. Enjoy that. Stand firm in that. Don't submit yourself again to a yoke of slavery. He wants us to also enjoy here the freedom from the pressures of conformity to this world. Enjoy that freedom. That you don't have to be like that. That's not where life is found. Life is found in Christ. There's a freedom in that when I don't fit the mould or cut the shape. Big deal. That's not who I am. There's a freedom in that. It's hard to find that freedom because that world pressure over there is very unrelenting at times, but when you do find it, you are free indeed. 
The world's not pushing you into its mould. What's Jesus come to do? He's come to set us free from slavery to ourselves and to this world of brokenness. And that is a glorious freedom that he's called us into. This is the gospel freedom that is true, deep, authentic, real and eternal. There's nothing else that can come anywhere near it in this world that the freedom the gospel offers. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the glorious freedom that you've given to us today. Father, we thank you for the work of your Son who has come to set us free. Lord, this should be the most scintillating message we could ever possibly hear. Yet we might think today, Lord, here's maybe 80 or 100 of us bundled in this room today and there's 40 other thousand people around Shep and it seems so tiny, it seems so insignificant. Is it really true? Yes, it is true, Lord. The message of the gospel is a message of freedom. I ask today, Holy Spirit, just you would work that into our hearts and lives. You truly would free us from condemnation, from guilt, from fear, all these things that you promise and you do do. God, I pray that you would, you would release us, help us to be free from the pressures of conformity in this world. To enjoy the world you've given to us, but not try and find our identity in this world. Not try and find our place to fit into this world, to meet its standards. But Lord, to know that we are loved by you, saved by you, filled with your presence, filled with your power, filled with your strength and filled with a hope that truly sets us free. Even as I said before, Lord, I can sense now I just can't put this into words, the freedom that you've given to us. And it's received by faith, Lord, by trusting and believing in who you are. God, we thank you for that. God, I pray today for those who are struggling with that freedom, struggling to appropriate that to themselves, to apply that to themselves. We pray, Holy Spirit, let this word resonate within their hearts. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Let that work in our hearts today, Lord, I pray. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We trust you have enjoyed our Bible talk from today. If you have any questions or comments from today's talk, please feel free to contact us at info at exchangechurch.org.au. Also, we love to welcome new people at Exchange Church in person. So consider yourself invited to be with us.